Riding with a group has its advantages. And one of those, of course, is when things go wrong, you've got a lot more help. But the reality is riding is a lot of fun. And pushing your limits off-road on an adventure bike to many of us is incredibly fun. And once you get a taste, you just want more. And it's not always possible to ride with others. Maybe you head out for something and then you see a little road and you take off down it to explore. Sometimes you just end up riding alone. And then this happens. It's a sunny, warm day, perfect riding temperature. The route is an old railway line. The tracks long ago lifted. The trail is well established now. It's fun, but not too difficult. There's some sections of deep sand, some water crossings, mud, ruts. And then there's some large, very loose gravel. The trail sees a lot of ATV traffic, so the center of this gravel is pushed up high, forming a ridge, which is quite difficult to ride over, especially at any sort of speed. It's a perfect opportunity to practice skills as I cross up and over that ridge and go back and forth. A difficult maneuver, but it's fun to practice. And there's sort of a hint of risk there to keep me on track and help build my skills. Then suddenly something changes. Maybe it's in the rocks. Maybe something caught my eye. Maybe I looked away. I'm not sure, but it's a moot point because now I'm off the side of the trail into the bush, front wheel downhill. The bike is on its side, kind of jammed into the bush. A few feet lower is the swamp and the ground is wet and slick. And as I stand there considering my predicament, I think that, well, I was probably riding a little too fast for the maneuver that I was practicing. Yeah, most likely too fast. It's an open section of trail here with swamp on both sides and some heavy brush lining the trail sides. I can't make the bike go forward. It couldn't go forward because even if it could, if the brush wasn't there, it would go into the swamp. So I have to pull it back. The question is, how? I haven't seen another rider or another person for that matter in the last hour. So here's what I did. I'm Jim Martin. This is Adventure Rider Radio. Stay with us. We got a good one for you. I'm Sam Manicum. Ted Simon. Austin Vince. Simon Pavey. Bill Bragoo. Helga Pedersen. Jocelyn Snow. Charlie Borman. Simon Thomas. Lisa Thomas. Grant Johnson. Jimmy Lewis. Elspeth Sean Thomas. And this is Adventure Rider Radio. It's wind pressure that powers the MotoBreeze chain oiler. No electrical or vacuum connections. It delivers the oil to a felt pad on your swing arm. No nozzles near your sprockets. One ounce of oil gets 1,000 miles or 1,600 kilometers. Get more miles from your chain and sprockets. MotoBreeze.com. And Green Chili Adventure Gear offers American-made, heavy-duty luggage systems for all types of motorcycles. You can turn any dry bag into luggage using their strapping system. And, of course, Green Chili Adventure Gear is tested in extreme weather and terrain to withstand the abuse that adventure riding gives it. Tough, reliable gear. GreenChiliADV.com. Best Rest Product is the maker of the Cycle Pump, the best tire inflator for motorcyclists. It'll inflate your flat tire in less than three minutes. Made in the USA. Comes with a lifetime warranty. They also distribute Googletech filters. CyclePump.com. Okay, so while my bike remains stuck, jammed into the bush down the embankment off the rail trail, we're going to take a look at a few really good ways for a solo rider to unstick, rescue, extract, however you want to say it, a motorcycle when something goes wrong. Afterwards, I'll I'll tell you what method I use to extract my bike from the side of that rail trail. Now, one system 
that is lightweight, has multiple uses, which we also love for motorcycling. Anything that covers multiple uses is more valuable. And you can use it in the camp, you can use it on the bike. Uh, in camp, you can use it as a rope to hang up a tarp or, or hang up anything. But in any case, it's a rope and tackle system. And the rope and tackle system is a fairly simple in concept Basically, you gain mechanical advantage by threading a rope through, or strap even through pulleys. Now, I mentioned strap because Green Chili Adventure Gear, our advertiser that you heard at the start of the show, has a, a strap Z-drag system, which is what this is, a Z-drag system in a bag designed for motorcycling. Another one is made by Best Rest. The Best Rest system is called the, or they call it the MRS, the Motorcycle Recovery System. Both are Z-drag systems, although different in the pulleys they use, they're basically the same mechanism anyway. So Z-drag system, what is it? How does it work? Okay, for this, we asked David Peterson from Best Rest to explain that because, well, David's kind of an inventor. He's sort of like the mad scientist. You remember Doc Brown on Back to the Future? Well, David will often find a problem, then barricade himself in the barn to work out the solution. So he's very much like Doc Brown, Actually, with one major difference between David and Doc Brown, Doc Brown from Back to the Future, David lacks the hair, or at least most of it anyway. I'm David Peterson, owner of Best Rest Products. We're located in Spirit Lake, Idaho, and we make adventure gear, uh, most known for our cycle pump tire inflator and easier gauge uh, and also for our motorcycle recovery system. David, welcome back to Adventure Rider Radio. Thanks, Jim. Nice to hear your voice again. Do you consider yourself an inventor? <laughs> well, I guess in some ways. I mean, I've, I've got a number of patents. Uh, Whoop-de-doo. Um, but I've invented a number of products that were never patented. And, you know, a number of things that were useful in the motorcycle community. So I guess I, I am an inventor by heart, but uh, I'd say more of I'm a practical guy that sees a need, uh, usually for myself or my riding buddies, and I figure out how to solve that need, and pretty soon I got a widget sitting on the shelf. So you're, you're not the, the mad professor sitting in, in the shop there with your hair standing on end with the big glasses working on stuff all the time? Yes. <laughs> 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 what little hair is left <laughs> does stand on I, I thought you were going to go to that. <laughs> so have you ever had a motorcycle stuck or you've had to oh, retrieve yeah. it using some sort of mechanical advantage? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I rode into a mud hole with my buddy. He was following, I was leading and I didn't look that deep. And, you know, I was 50 feet into it and the bike was up to the handlebars. This is a 800 GS. Seriously, up to the handlebars. Yeah, just about, yeah. I, I could send you a picture. I think we've got it back to the point where it's only hip deep. But, you know, like I don't have to climb off the bike. I climb up on the bike, you know, standing up on the mud and stuff. And I swear there was a Jeep underneath me somewhere. Uh, <laughs> it was a deep hole. And, uh, you know, how do we get this bike out? And my buddy Steve, longtime buddy Steve Irby, happened to have a piece of rope for camping and we hooked onto the back of the bike and, you know, jerked and hauled and jerked and hauled. And an hour and a half later, we managed to get it back to where we could get it to uh, solid ground. And, uh, you know, I took my boots off, poured out the mud and off we went. But yeah, I've had bikes stuck. I've had bikes over 
uh, embankments. And, uh, you know, that's not a fun thing when that happens. I've also been, been towed out of the mountains and towed people out of the mountains. So, from a bike you know, quitting. Yeah, really, there's, yeah. the, there's the two things, isn't there? What I think of when we, when we need to extract a motorcycle. One is the stuck example that you gave right there at the start. And the other one is the other example you gave where you're off the trail, which the bike is, for me anyway, it's always, it seems to be upside down, you know, um, with the, the wheels pointing upward, making it more yeah. difficult to, to get out. But so that day you're, when you're stuck, when, you're, when, you're, when, the, when the bike is still in the mud, um, how did you feel? And did you think about making something at that point? No, I thought about many other things, but <laughs> uh, Steve wasn't willing to, you know, dive head first and get covered with muck. So it was up to me to do all the heavy pushing and lifting in the water. And he stayed on dry ground. But, you know, two guys pulling, trying to break the suction and get the bike out, uh, you know, just about on the, the limit of what we could do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you just don't have enough mechanical advantage if you're just pulling on a piece of rope. So I guess that's probably the thing that made my brain start to work. And the other one was the episode when I was up on top of a mountain and uh, the fuel pump quit, couldn't coast down, you know, had to be towed in some places. And, you know, we scratched our heads and said, well, you know, how do you do this? And uh, we came up with a system, but it wasn't very good. And we, we both survived, but it pointed out the need for something that was a little more uh, well-developed, more sophisticated that you could use, uh, to, to, uh, tow a bike, uh, distance. Now, you know, if you're up on a mountain trail and it's single track and twisty turning, that's going to be a tough recovery. But you're on a fire road. It makes it easier. You can, uh, you know, your, your grades are not as much, your turns are not as sharp, but in either case, uh, the motorcycle recovery system that I put together works for both applications, both, mm-hmm. uh, towing, and also for hauling the bike back up on the trail where it belongs. Right. Well, our, our focus uh, is is extraction on this one. So getting it out of the mud or getting it back on, onto the trail. And by the way, you, you mentioned that uh, your buddy there didn't want to go into the water. That's standard procedure, isn't it? I mean, the person that gets stuck does the dirty work. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <You> <laughs> I mean, why not? <laughs> you can't expect him to go in when you're stuck. Well, I, mean, I, think, I think there might have been more to it. I think I remember him saying don't ride into that because you're going to get stuck. So this was a case of, uh, I was, I was reaping, uh, the rewards of my own foolishness. Right. So what, what did you come up with? You, you invented a reading event, but you, you came up with a system that you now sell called the motorcycle recovery system. That's what you call it. How'd you come up with that? Well, uh, give credit to Brett tax from Puget sound safety. At, uh, this is about six, seven years ago. He was selling a kit. He doesn't do it anymore. But I looked at it and uh, we came to an agreement and I bought his inventory and we started producing it from that point forward. This isn't rocket science. Um, if you go back to the sailing ship days, you watch the movies of the, the seamen heave hoeing on the, on the lines that raise the sails. Um, it all comes down to mechanical advantage using ropes and pulleys. Um, jump forward to modern day and you have mountaineering. Um, you know, they use ropes and pulleys to haul themselves up, haul themselves down. And one of the things that they use is called a Z-drag pulley system. It's a, a simple setup where they use a couple of carabiners, which are, you know, the locking silver loops, metal loops, some pulleys, and a rope device called a prusik. That's basically just a 
short piece of rope that will lock on to the pulling line. And so mountaineers will know what a, a Z pulley is. And depending upon the number of pulleys or types of pulleys that you use, you can get a three to one mechanical advantage or a five to one. I mean, you could have a 50 to one if you used enough pulleys. Mm-hmm. And you need a lot of rope and a lot of time. You need a lot of rope. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, they'll, they'll use these for uh, crevasse rescue or, you know, hauling stuff up or down. And it just makes it so that the person pulling on the rope is not having to lift or pull the entire weight of the object that's being moved. Mm-hmm. And uh, so if, a, if uh, you've got a three to one pulley system, which would use two single pulleys, um, a guy pulling on that with a hundred pounds could lift a 300 pound weight. If you use a five to one system, a guy pulling on that with a hundred pounds could lift 500 pounds. And uh, when I had my shop in Washington, I showed the point of this pulley system. I took my 1200 GS and put an eye bolt in the beam on top of the shop and lifted my 1200 off the ground and just let it hang there just by myself, you know, 600 pound bike and I weigh, you know, 200 and change and did it all by myself. And the purpose was to show customers uh, the mechanical advantage of the rope and pulley system. Mm-hmm. So. It's the same system they use in, in whitewater as well. If you do any whitewater, if you've seen any whitewater kayaking or canoeing, if you get a boat pinned, they'll use the same system, this, this Z-drag system. And as you said, it's not that complicated. I think the advantage here of, of what you've done, though, is you've done all the work of collecting all the pieces, putting it together into something that um, is easy to throw on the bike and, and carry around with us. So can you just give a description of, like, sort of what's in the bag when you open the bag? Well, first, let me just say we have two kits. We've got the trail kit which is a three to one system. And then we have the super trail kit, which is a five to one system. The difference between the two kits is the type of pulley. So on a trail kit, which has got a three to one advantage, it's got 65 feet of main line, two single pulleys, two carabiners, uh, two pieces of flat webbing, and two Prusik loops. The contents of the super trail kit are really identical with the exception that the pulleys are double pulleys. So the way that that system would be hooked up is the the rope loops through them twice and that gives you the extra mechanical advantage. And it's the same 65 foot line? It's the same 65, yeah. Uh, we, We used to provide a 82 foot line, but the bulk of it made it so that it was actually counterproductive. Uh, now, both kits, either style, will fit into the same red bag that a cycle pump fits into. So, uh, we modified the bag by putting some, some webbing sewn to it so that you can strap it down using a bungee cord or, or something. So, now you can carry this on the bike and strap it to the external part of the bike. And now you have a recovery system that can be used to, you know, haul the bike up a, a steep incline or tow the bike, you know, back to civilization. Now, the pulleys and everything that you have in this kit and the, and the, the uh, carabiners and things, they're all designed to easily handle the weight of what? Well, the, uh, the pulleys are rated at 22 kilo newtons. So that's what, 22,000 newtons. Um, the rope is rated to 3,500 pounds, if I recall. Um, so these are, this is actually... Uh, 
components from the mountaineering industry that we source and put into our system. Um, but they're all capable of going out and climbing a mountain and lay your buddy and, you know, haul them up and down the hillside. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't use it to tow out a Jeep, but it's certainly capable of hauling out a motorcycle. Right. And, you know, they're, the, the components themselves are rated for life safety purposes. You could use them in a, you know, fire department rescue kit, but we don't market it that way. And, and we don't uh, claim that it's for that purpose. We're designing it for motorcycles. You said three to three to one on the trail kit and five to one of the other one. The, the difference between the um, the gear ratio, or I guess the trade off, as you add more pulleys to it, you increase your pulling power. In other words, you increase your mechanical advantage, but you decrease the speed at which you move something. That's correct. So um, the difference between the three and the five, like that's that's a fair difference. Well, it's the, the other difference is that because on the five to one, because you're running the the rope through the pulleys twice, you're going to shorten the distance between your anchor point and the motorcycle. Um, so you may have to reset that system uh, a number of times. So let's say you, you, in the extreme, you might only get five feet of usable pull before you have to reset things. And, and you know, it's like tightening shoelaces. <laughs> you You don't just pull on the ends. You have to go down and kind of, work the eyelets all the way up until you get to the top and then you have enough slack to, uh, to make your, your tie. Um, yes, the, the basic trail three to one kit would, the rope would move faster. It would give you a longer distance to pull, but, uh, that means you're also going to have to have more manpower to do the pulling. Uh, whereas a five to one, the movement of the rope is slower because it's going through all these pulleys. So it's basically gearing down the recovery process and it's also shortening the usable length between anchor point and motorcycle. And while I'm thinking of it, I want to say, yes, you can recover yourself using a Z drag pulley system. I've done it. It's not fun. It's not easy, but the alternative is, you know, 12 mile walk better yet. You're with a buddy and you're steadying the bike and maybe you're running the engine and trying to spin the wheel or slip the clutch while he pulls. Uh, a Z pulley system is always better used when there's more than one person to uh, play the part. That's where I was going to next was, was to ask about that because yeah, it, I've done both as well. And it's very difficult to do it by yourself. Uh, it depends on, on what it is. If you're off the trail, it's not so bad because really what you want to do is just drag the bike up onto the trail. And that I find doing by yourself, it's fine. The bike is sitting there. Uh, on its side rather, and, and you're sort of dragging it back up. That's usually how it works for me, or, or maybe even standing it up if, if you want to do that. But being stuck in the mud is a little bit more difficult if you're going to try and drive the bike out at the same time and also even just hold the bike up. It's a little more difficult right. to hold the bike up and, and pull it. So you you try and capture somebody. If you're not riding with somebody else, you try and capture somebody else who's who's coming along the trail. Uh, the one the one difference with this is, or the one additional thing in the Z drag system is that um, you not just have the you don't just have the pulleys there. You also have a locking mechanism so that when you do pull the the bike up, it doesn't get away on you. Can you talk about that? Well, the locking mechanism is pretty simple, uh, and what it involves is that when you release the rope, um, the pulleys don't lock, but instead one of the prussics will move back into the pulley and basically jam it so the rope can't move any further. Um, I'm sure that they make locking pulleys that only work in one direction, but these are not. These will go both directions. 
So you get the system set up, you give a good pull on the rope, maybe you get five feet of pull. And then when you let go of the rope, because the Prezik is located near uh, one of the pulleys, as the rope will uh, retract, uh, the pulley will be pulled into the, I'm sorry, the rope will be pulled into the pulley and it locks it in place. So uh, we show this, we did a YouTube video. If you go to Best Rest Products and uh, YouTube and put in MRS or Motorcycle Recovery System, we show two videos that show recovery and towing. But the, the recovery system or the recovery video uh, shows how the pulleys lock, how they're set up. And I think I even did a portion where I did a, a solo recovery standing at the bike and pulling on it myself. Mm. Um, so it gives you, a, you know, how to do it, how not to do it. Maybe some funny outtakes, uh, things like that. The system, it, it weighs how much? Well, let's see. It weighs about three pounds. Okay. So it's a, it's a pretty lightweight. I know because I have one. It's a very lightweight system. Easy to throw in your bag. The thing is with this though, is anyone who wants to take this with them, they really need to take it out and play with it at home. Yeah. You don't want to be uh, trying to figure this out on the trail. You know, Sean Thomas. Mm, of course. We've had uh, on the show many times. Yeah. He's carried my kit for many years and uh, he shamedly admitted that one time when he had to use it, to recover a bike that had gone off the trail, one of his group rides or whatever. Um, he's pulling the thing out and trying to read the instructions, figure it out at that point. I think he uh, told me about this. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not fun. Uh, you need to get out and play with it. Uh, you know, see how it works, hook it up, uh, you know, experiment with it and get familiar with it. And to be honest, when I take my kit out, you know, I lay it out and I actually read the instructions and uh, remind myself the most efficient way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's simple, but when you take all the rope and the carabiners and the prussics and everything else out, uh, it becomes overwhelming. And, you know, when you're in a situation on the trail where the bike's over the side or you're stuck, you know, you're, you're trying to be in a hurry. You're not thinking clearly, you're hot, you're tired. You're, uh, uh, you know, you need to, to work smoothly and slowly and, uh, you know, methodically read the instructions. You know, the one thing I find with this sort of thing is that um, when you get stuck or when the bike goes off the trail or something, the worst thing you can do is try and rush it because you end up either damaging something or making the situation worse. It's always better. And this doesn't matter if you're driving a four-wheel drive or, or you're riding your motorcycle to stop and do it right. Make your best attempt the first time because it's probably going to work out to be less work and, and far more efficient and less damaging. I talked to a guy the other day about the recovery system. He was riding a Harley Pan Am and hit a rut, went, bike went over. And uh, he was saying, yeah, I, I immediately jumped over there and tried to lift the bike. And what did he do? He threw his back out oh, and hurt yeah. himself. Yeah. And uh, so he was looking for something that he could use uh, to, uh, you know, minimize the, the possible damage to the body. I mean, yeah, the first thing you do, the bike goes down, you jump up, you throw it up, uh, and you hurt yourself. Mm-hmm. And I've done that myself. Yeah, so you need to take a moment, uh, you know, turn off the engine, make sure everything's safe. You're not going to get hit by a car or whatever. And uh, take off your helmet, get a glass of water, a cup of water, canteen, and make a plan. Everybody's help you. Laugh at yourself. And then carefully, methodically go about the process of 
pulling the bike out of the muck or up the hill or hooking it up so you have a safe recovery by hauling it down to civilization. If you get in a hurry, you're going to, you're going to make a mistake. And you don't have to be hardcore to benefit from this either, because even if you just ride light trails, there will likely be a time where you end up off the trail. And and that's and particularly if you're by yourself, but even if you're with a buddy, there is something about a motorcycle. Once it gets tangled in a little bit of brush and it's the wrong side up and you have trouble getting it, the, the downhill side of it, that the thing gets serious real fast. And that's how you end up pulling your back, even having a, a buddy pull their back while you're doing it. It's much easier to, to sit back and hook up a, a pulley system and drag the thing out. Well, you know, it can be such a simple thing as your rear wheel is on the trail, but your front wheel has gone off and it's two feet down. Mm-hmm. And trying to lift that up, you know, basically deadlift that, uh, you know, you get five or six guys, it's it's easy. But by yourself or with another guy, you better have some help. And that help comes from a mechanical uh, device that will, you know, make life easy and help you pull it back up. And, you know... Understand that I'm a big fan of if you have something on your bike, it has multiple purposes. So I've used the rope in this kit, you know, as a, as a rope in camp to hold up a tent. I've used the webbing to, you know, tie the tent down in strong winds. I've used the carabiners and the webbing to, to hang a water filtration system on a tree. So it's not something that you only use when you're in a jam, you know, pull this stuff out and use it in the campground. Mm-hmm. No, that's a great tip. Do you, do you have any tips for actually using it as far as hooking it up, rigging it or anything like that? Is there, is there, are there some things that, that pop into your mind? Well, um, you know, I guess if your bike's off the edge of the cliff and, uh, the first thing I do is orient the bike so that, you know, it's wheels are down and bike is up, um, which doesn't mean that you deadlift the bike up the hill but instead you spin it around on the saddlebags, the cylinder head or whatever, the handlebar, but get the bike oriented right so that it's not A, going to slip down the hill further. And when you do go to recover, you're not digging things in. So orienting the bike is the right thing. Second thing is it comes with a couple of pieces of webbing, uh, five foot webbing. So you make uh, a connection to the frame of the bike someplace, probably not the handlebar, because surprisingly, handlebars can be damaged or bent, but you try to find a frame point, you know, saddlebag rack or somewhere on the frame that you can actually apply some, you know, some pretty good heft. Uh, and then at your, up at your anchor point, you find a tree, a huge rock, something that you can anchor to. So it's really about making a plan, figuring it out ahead of time, and then slowly, methodically making your connections, uh, you know, looking at the instructions, and then get everything in position. You know, one guy's steadying the bike, the other guy's pulling the rope and uh, slowly, smoothly go about the process and take mm-hmm. your time doing it. And uh, if you're going to drag it, you want to do things, look at things like your your shifter in particular, that's easy to bend. Uh, but anything you're dragging along, your signals, whatever it is, just think of that kind of stuff while you're dragging along. You can always stick a log under underneath or something like that to drag it on yeah. rather than ripping that along. And understand that a bike being dragged across the ground, whether it's level ground or an embankment, the coefficient of friction on that is pretty high. So when, as you're dragging this thing up the hill, you know, you may be making a a furrow that you could plant seeds in. Um, There's, it doesn't roll the same as it would as if it was on the wheels. So if at all possible, get the bike up so it can roll on those wheels, but, you know, do whatever you got to do to, to get it up on the trail. 
and, uh, you know, clear out stuff in the, in the way so that you're not fighting it. And, uh, uh, you know, take your time. I, I'd say that if you do a recovery and you do it in one fell swoop, you were exceedingly lucky. Instead, you should do a recovery in stages. You know, pull it a little bit, take a breath, double check, water, granola bar, pull it some more. So this isn't something that you're going to solve in two minutes. Yeah, that's what you're saying. Make a plan before you start. Well, David, that's great. Thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. All right, Jim. Always glad to be there. Well, that was Mad Professor David Peterson from Best Rest Products explaining the Z-Drag system. Now, I especially like the Z-Drag system because of its many other uses that it has. The, the rope has potentially unlimited applications. And as David mentioned, the Z-Drag is, is essentially a two-person system. But if you're riding alone, it's still possible to use. It's just going to take a lot more time and some and maybe some messing around. Um, I would say that uh, for solo use, it's best to... If, you, if the bike was in the situation that we're talking about, laying on the ground off a bank, is to drag it on its side and then worry about getting it stood up afterwards because to stand it up and to pull and hold the bike up would be just about impossible. It is very, very difficult by yourself, if not impossible. You can also use the, the Z-Drag system to pick up your bike. So if it fell over in the mud, say, and you couldn't get traction, you could hook the Z-Drag system to the side of the bike and then to an attachment point and pull the bike up. If in that scenario that I'm talking about in mud, you might have to dig a couple of troughs so the tires will dig in and hold while the bike is tilted up. Or you may have to tie a rope to the bottom of the, the say, the rear wheel with a bike in gear so the wheel doesn't rotate off to an anchor point on the other side while you pull the, the bike up. So it's... um. It's, you know, a very useful system. And if there's no trees, you can often use bushes if you group the bushes together, pull them together and wrap a rope around them a couple of times or your strap or whatever it is you have around them. You'll be amazed how much pull you can put on, a, on roots of a small plant if you put a bunch of them together. Now, all of this may take a considerable amount of thinking, time and effort, but it's a whole lot better than walking out. And no one wants to abandon their bike and walk out anyway. Who wants to leave their bike somewhere like that? We've got some photos of the Best Rest Z-Drag system in the show notes for this episode. It'll kind of show you what's involved. Well, look, we're going to take a quick break right now. I've got two things I want to tell you about. But when we come back, how to winch your motorcycle, even if you don't have a winch. Stay with us. Overland Expo is huge and coming this July 8 to 10, 2022 at the Deschutes County Expo Center in, in Bend, Oregon is the PNW event, the PNW Overland Expo. They've done such an amazing job at, at making this, this huge event. And for us motorcyclists, it's the place you need to be. They've got so many vendors and exhibitors, not to mention a host of presenters and, and overlanders of all walks. Matter of fact, if you just go to their website, overlandexpo.com, look at the PNW link, and you, you can't help but get excited just looking at the list of things they have going on. There's so much to do. They've, they've got MESA, what they call MESA, which is the 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 Motorcycle Expedition Skills Area. There you're going to find Bill Dragoo. You've, you've heard Bill here on our Rider Skills Program. And he has his team of riding instructors there to do off-road instruction. That would be well worth the weekend alone. Um, they also have a beginner program, which I think is kind of neat because if you have somebody with you that 
maybe they're a little interested in motorcycling, but they're not really sure. Well, they have a whole team there that's set up to take people who have never been on a bike and get them on their first ride. That is very cool. They also have the the Moto Dinner Party, which I think they do at all the Overland Expos, and they've got giveaways there. Um, just just a whole bunch of fun and a whole bunch to see. And you're and you're right in there with all kinds of people who are already travelers. If you're interested in traveling, so there's so much information there. And I did mention the uh, the vendors as well. There's uh, places where you can get all kinds of gear for your bike and all in one location. Absolutely amazing. Overlandexpo.com is the website. Anytime you're dealing with them, throw in there that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. Overland Expo this July 8th to 10th at the Deschutes County Expo Center in Bend, Oregon. Go light, go fast, go far with Giant Loop. Giant Loop is inspired by years of personal riding experiences and feedback gathered from riders across the globe. They design products for travel, discovery, and exploration. And and they believe that lighter and simpler is better. How we ride as motorcyclists, they feel, shouldn't be dictated by what's strapped to our vehicles. Riding's just plain more fun when unnecessary weight and bulk are removed. I don't think anyone can argue with that. And they focus on what's needed to serve the product's mission. I like this. No no extra straps, no extra buckles, no everything in the kitchen sink designs. Instead, each product is purpose-built to enhance the riding experience for those who want a modular and customizable packing system that's stable, durable, uh, intuitive, and lightweight. So um, discover a whole new world of uh, adventure with intuitive, functional, durable gear that requires little more than sort of plug-and-play set up with it. Go light, go fast, go far with Giant Loop. The website is giantloopmoto.com. Anytime you're dealing with them, throw in there that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. giantloopmoto.com. Another way to get unstuck, of course, is a winch. Now, Warren did manufacture a winch specifically made for adventure riders called the XT-17. Sadly, they discontinued the XT-17, and there doesn't seem to be another one on the market. But our friend Chris Birch from New Zealand, you may have heard Chris on one of our rider skills programs, came up with an idea of using the back wheel as a sort of built-in winch. Now, you have a, a bit of an ingenious winch method, and unfortunately, Warren used to make a winch. They, they no longer make it. We had it. We talked about it here on the show. They no longer make it for motorcycles, but you have one in one of your videos, and that's uh, that's part of your series, right? Is that still available? Yeah, it is. Yep. How would they find that video? So the easiest way to get to it is is through my website. So it's uh, chrisbirch.co.nz, and on the landing page, there's a link that takes you through to, uh, to Vimeo On Demand, which is who we use to host the videos. Which video is it? It's the, um, we actually, I can't, oh, can't brain remember, it was a little while back now, but I think uh, it'll take you through to Vimeo and then you can scroll through in each individual one. And I think it's um, it's in mud riding in there and uh, self-rescue or something like that. Right, yeah. And, so, and flick through it, you'll find it. Yeah, and that's a, that's a great method. I love that. So I think that's probably worthwhile um, looking at and setting up your platform. So basically, Chris's method is to take the rope, anchor the far end of the rope to a solid point, then run it back to the bike and fasten it to the spokes of the rear wheel. Then he slowly slips the clutch and winds the rope around the hub of the rear wheel, which is exactly what a winch does, only in a more controlled manner than this. This is more of an experimental or maybe a highly advanced method that I I think you'd probably best see in action and really think about and try at home and maybe avoid completely. 
who knows, um, after you understand all the issues that are involved. It's a great idea. It may not work for every bike, but it, understanding it could be very valuable because in a pinch, this could be a bike saver. So that's it. I mean, you could you could winch out. You could uh, you could use a block yeah. and tackle if you're really stuck. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I don't know too many people that carry a block and tackle, but uh, I definitely wouldn't go exploring in them. And to be honest, I don't go do any real adventure exploring without a, a fairly decent length of very strong rope, because there's just so much that you can can do in these to, to get yourself out of the out of the uh, out of the, the stuck out of the horrible situations with a good strong Dyneema rope. Is that's what I'm using, right? And with pulleys as well. Do you carry pulleys with you? Uh, no, I don't carry pulleys. So this is how I ended up with the whole, uh, with using the back wheel as the winch. Yeah. Because I was going through it all in my head, you know, what am I going to take? How am I going to get out of the situation? Wouldn't it be great if there was like something I could just use like a winch drum to just pull myself up? I'm like, oh yeah, the rear hub, the bike's already got one of those. Like, duh. <laughs> um, it, it took me, yeah, I, I was, that was the scenario. I'm like, am, am I going to start taking pulleys? Am I going to try and find a winch and, that all just, for me, just all seemed way too heavy and bulky. Yeah. And Well, and it also depends on, on if you're riding by yourself or if you're riding with other people, those sorts of things. I, I certainly would never recommend mud riding for anyone by themselves. I'm sure you wouldn't. It would be a bit, um, I would, yeah, it, I would be contradicting myself. I said, no, never ride mud by yourself because that's... I, I, was just, I could tell by the hesitation there. I thought, you're hesitating because you like to go riding in mud by yourself. Yeah, I, I like to go riding a lot and it's I can't always find a friend. And yeah. for some reason, not everyone wants to go where I want to go on my adventure bike. So that, that it seems to narrow people down quite quickly. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure why that is. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> some people have a different idea of fun. <laughs> Now, did you hear what Chris said about never going riding without a long piece of rope? I think that's good advice. And what he was talking about was synthetic rope, or what's called Dyneema. Dyneema is the strongest fiber in the world used for ropes. And it's, get this, 15 times stronger than steel wire rope or cable, as you would find on a winch. I remember the first time I saw Dyneema in action, I was completely blown away. It seemed impossible that this thin little rope could handle the weight, but it did easily. In fact, the Warren XT17 winch that I mentioned, which you can't buy anymore, it came with Dyneema rope on it. And one of the advantages of Dyneema is it's not only stronger than cable, but it's also far lighter. Now, the great thing is Dyneema synthetic rope is also, or has become ubiquitous. It's, it has so many applications from sailboats on that you can buy it easily. You can look for it on the internet and you'll find it just about everywhere. I'm going to put the name of that rope in the show notes for this episode on our website, adventureriderradio.com. As well, we're going to have the link to Chris Birch's video series on Vimeo, which I highly recommend. Okay, so now we have a way to use a Z-drag system with a rope or strapping, even using the rear wheel as a winch. Those methods are great when the bike is off the trail, stuck severely, etc. And of course, that rope will come in very handy even if you're with a group of people. It just has so many uses. Now, the the one thing I want to reiterate really is, is what David said. Anytime you're stuck or and doing any sort of recovery, you have to give it your best effort first, meaning clear the route, build a ramp, plan it, do some thinking, because 
it just seems to get worse if you do sort of a, a, a quick pull and then you find yourself in more of a situation. So really be careful with that. Think it out. Do your best shot on the first attempt. Your bike will wait. Seriously, it's not going anywhere. And if you're stuck in sand, that's one of those times you can just flop the bike over or in a similar material, flop the bike over, fill the hole where the wheel is, and then try to ride away at that point. That works wonders. Okay, so let's take a quick break. I got a couple things to tell you about. When we come back, we've got some real world instruction for standing up that lifeless lump of metal, regardless of where you are. Stay with us. Motocampnerd.com. That's the website. It's a specialized camping store, specialized in motorcycle camping. It's the only one of its kind, according to Ben and Mary. That's Ben and Mary Williams. They're the founders of Moto Camp Nerd. Good name, too. I like that. Moto Camp Nerd. Obviously, a nerd about things to do with motorcycle camping. You can order anywhere, or you can walk into their brick-and-mortar location in Archdale, North Carolina. Now, I said that they specialize in motorcycle camping, and that's what I mean, because that is what they do. The whole store is dedicated to motorcycle camping, and Ben and Mary are campers themselves. So if you want to know what works or what doesn't work, or maybe what's best for your trip and your particular application, contact them. They told me they'd be happy to answer any questions, moto camping questions, to help you sort out your gear. The website, again, is motocampnerd.com. Anytime you're dealing with them, throw in there that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. Motocampnerd.com. Your connection to the motorcycle while standing is through your foot pegs. That connection gives you the control to lean to one side for the motorcycle, allowing it to turn in that direction, to transfer weight side to side, maybe tilt the bike over for balance at slow speeds, or even transfer weight front to back. They can also make a difference in comfort. They are everything to the adventurous rider. Now, a peg is not just a peg. What we need is pegs that are designed specifically for our style of riding, and IMS products has done that work and has made those pegs. IMS Products has been around since 1976 and over all those years, they've been producing parts for racers and consumers and they have learned an unbelievable amount about producing the best possible product for a specific application. And they've taken that knowledge and put them into a full line of adventure motorcycle foot pegs. I'm comfortable telling you that that you're going to absolutely love what they do for your control of the motorcycle. And I've heard that from many, many listeners over the years. And in fact, my IMS products foot pegs, I think make me look like a better rider than I am. They give you a confidence and control of your bike that you never had before. IMSproducts.com is the website. Anytime you're dealing with them, throw in there that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. IMSproducts.com. Okay, so now that we're on the topic of getting your motorcycle back on track, so to speak, there is another issue to address, and that's picking up your heavy, loaded adventure bike. Now, you may have seen someone demonstrate a motorcycle pickup, and invariably those demonstrations are always done on a flat surface, usually grass. They have good traction, but I don't know about you, when my bike lays down, it's almost never on a solid flat surface, and it's never convenient. So to get some real-life pickup tips, we turn to our buddy, Bill Dragoo from DART, Dragoo Adventure Rider Training. They're the people that you see at Overland Expo. Bill, welcome back to Adventure Rider Radio. Hey, thanks, Jim. It's awesome to be back. 
you, um, you've been spending a lot of time, I think, at, at events this year, like Overland Expo. What are you teaching there? What do you take people through? Well, we do samplings of our levels one and two classes. Obviously, in the amount of time that's allowed, we have three hours per session with the students. We can only do a sampling of uh, what we what we do in our full classes here in Oklahoma, but we give them a real good overview. So that tall ladder that we always talk about from where they are when they enter a class to where they we hopefully end at the end of a class, uh, the rungs are a, are a little bit more spaced apart than they are in our local classes. So we ask a lot of the students to really step up to uh, to be able to leap from one exercise to the next. And it's interesting to note that most of them do. Most of them just get it. They realize it's not the full meal deal, but they still uh, learn a tremendous amount. And in addition to the levels one and two, we teach a competition skills class. And then this last uh, event at West, we did an a la carte where you could come in and just learn hill fail recovery, loose hill starts, uh, maybe ruts or some of the other uh, obstacles, uh, some of the individual elements that someone might want to just brush up on. Where does picking up your motorcycle come in for your training? Well, that is one of the, uh, in fact, we have uh, had an a la carte session on bike recovery and it included bike pickup. And I think we might've, might've paired that with uh, towing or some other recovery uh, element of what we do. Right. Okay. Well, well, with this, what we're talking, and, and we are, this is all about bike recovery. So in this section, we're talking about actually picking up the motorcycle. So I, I guess to start off for precautions, anytime we're dealing with having to pick up a heavy adventure motorcycle, what sort of precautions do you advise? Well, certainly one of the first things that we want to want to ensure is that we don't injure ourselves. And uh, I'll have to defer to our, our good friend Clinton Smout on this one. And the, the best precaution is just to wait for your buddy and let him pick it up. <laughs> yeah, if you've got somebody there or you have somebody available, why break your back, especially as we get older? Well, I think there's an urgency that pops into the mind of anyone who drops a bike, especially those who are just getting into the sport. Maybe they've never dropped their cruiser. You know, if they're transitioning from uh, on-road to off-road, for example, uh, there are a lot of really good riders out there on the road who this whole diversity of terrain thing is uh, kind of new to them. And so dropping their bike, is, uh, it's, it's embarrassing. It, uh, they worry about the motorcycle itself. There might be a, a situation where the bike could be in the way of someone else in a parking lot or uh, uh, if it were on the road, or it could just be that, uh, hey, here we are in class, I'm interrupting the class. So we, we teach, time you have a recovery situation, whatever it might be, uh, you know, I, I asked the students early on, as soon as the bike is down, and we go through a little fun scenario of dropping the bike, showing perfect balance. Um, you know, I, I have a two finger walk around. So we, and a lot of instructors and a lot of courses do this where that's, uh, keeping the bike within the center of its point of balance, what we call the cone of balance. Um, the, so we, we go through that exercise and then, uh, you know, maybe my son or another instructor will be performing that exercise while I'm talking. And then I will explain that, well, my son has, uh, mastered the art of balancing this motorcycle perfectly without touching it. And so I will have him get the bike to the center of balance, and then I'll call his attention away. I might point, hey, is that a deer or whatever? And he looks away, and of course the bike falls over. 
Uh, it's not that it can't be put in that situation, but it's difficult and requires a, a proper setup, and that's really not what, the, what it's about. So the motorcycle falls over, and it's stunning to the students. You know, you've got uh, a dozen or two or maybe close to three. Some <laughs> they of our didn't classes. expect to see that happen. They didn't expect to see <laughs> yeah. that, so there's this big gasp from the crowd. Yeah. And uh, they, so we make fun of each other about that. And then we say, well, so when you have a recovery situation, who do you call? And, you know, they're thinking, and a lot of people might say, my buddy, my wife, <laughs> whatever. But uh, the, the common answer is, of course, here in, in the States is AAA, uh, the American Automobile Association. And they uh, send out vehicles to, or, or you know, a truck to help with that recovery, whether it's a flat tire, out of gas, stuck, whatever. So... AAA, we advise them, of course, doesn't go to the places we most like to ride as adventure riders. So we have to invent our own AAA. The first thing that we, the first A of AAA is to assess. So very similar to a a wilderness first aid class, for example, uh, you know, they have the three S's, scene, safety, and situation, I believe it is. Uh, Look around, take a minute and see what's going on. Are you in a safe scenario? Have you just dropped your bike over the top of a hill and there are other riders coming behind you? Maybe you need to do what they do in Mexico, South America, a lot of foreign countries and go and pile some brush so that people can see that there's a there's something going on up ahead I need to slow down for. You may need to get yourself off the trail if you hear that brat brap coming up behind you so that at least you don't get hit and you and whoever just ran into your motorcycle, can pick up the pieces. So sit, set that up so that you are safe uh, before starting to wrench your back, yank and pull, and get the bike up. So you assess your situation. During that assessment, you're forming a plan to pick up the motorcycle. And in the formation of that plan, you might need to reorient the bike and all. And I won't go through all of that, but then... Uh, to accept your situation. So it's just me. Maybe Bubba isn't coming over the hill. Uh, or maybe Bubba is, you know, so except the fact I need to boil a cup of tea, as the British say, or smoke them if you've got them, you know, <laughs> to wait a moment, chill out uh, before you again start yanking on the bike and, and injure yourself picking it up. And then to act. So whatever plan you formed, you put that plan into action once you've had a chance to suss it out and decide what's best. Now, of course, anytime the bike goes down, we want to shut it off right away. That's of a course. One. Yeah. And most, most of the bikes that I ride and most of the modern bikes do have a, a tip over uh, sensor. So they stop on their own and it's less of an issue than it was uh, in the older days with the early uh, fuel injected bikes. Some of those will just keep running like a chainsaw. You can turn it upside down and it keeps going. So you definitely need to turn that off. Yeah. Okay, well, let's start with the the standard flat ground pickup, now, the, what I would call the standard flat ground pickup. This is when the bike is laying down on a relatively flat, solid surface. Maybe the bike fell over when you're getting off or you stopped for some reason and it fell over. This is the most common demonstration you'll find on picking up a motorcycle. It seems that every time you see a video or see, hear somebody talk about it or read something about it, it seems to always be that flat ground pickup, often on grass and things like that. So let's start with that. What do we do? The bike is on the ground. How do we do it? Okay, so we interdicted our AAA. We assessed the situation. Uh, Seeing that it is on flat ground, we probably don't need to uh, reposition the bike in any form or fashion. Uh, You know, as we discussed, we, of course, turn the bike off immediately if it is running. And 
during that assessment, we might consider, you know, if this isn't our first rodeo, how heavy is this motorcycle? Do I need to maybe unload it some? Uh, also, during the assessment, we're looking, is gasoline leaking out anywhere? You know, back to that safety portion. But uh, if so, you know, we may need to kick dirt around or, or at least be mindful of the fact gas is leaking. You still have to pick it up, and we all just mostly ignore that. But there is a safety hazard there. Yeah, and if you so, had a fuel shutoff valve, like if it's a carburetor version, you know, with an old-style tank, you have a fuel shutoff valve, that's the time to get onto that and shut your fuel down. Yeah, depending on where it's leaking from. Uh, of course, if it is a carbureted bike and it has a, uh, uh, a uh, non-diaphragm petcock, so if it's just a straight feed petcock, then by all means, you would turn that off if for no other reason, just so you don't flood your engine as badly uh, uh, by leaving that on and just having gas continue to drain into the carburetor and down into the engine. So flat ground, bike is laying on its side. Now, here's where uh, another plug for BMW. If you happen to be blessed with opposing cylinders, as many of our students are, your bike never really falls all the way over. So it's already picked itself partway up by not falling quite all the way to the ground. That is, unless you aren't on flat ground, and sometimes it falls more than flat and it's upside down. I'm sure we'll, we'll get into that. But yeah, so uh, you know, we've assessed, we've decided what uh, method we're going to use to pick it up. Again, unloading the bike um, is helpful, and we'll, we'll move more into engineering in a little bit. Uh, if the handlebar is already turned in, that is, if it were on its left side and the bars were turned to that left position, it's already in a position to uh, do the back-to-the-bike method of pickup. Flat ground, here we sit. Uh, the bar is turned in. That's probably going to be a back-to-the-bike method if you're of average height or below. If you're extremely tall, that gets really, really difficult because uh, back to the bike, we're going to reach uh, on, in that left side scenario, we'll reach our right hand down, we'll grab the grip, and then our left hand, we'll, we'll look for purchase somewhere, uh, luggage rack, a grab rail that might be mounted to the bike from the factory, uh, an accessory luggage rack, a pannier mount, pannier frame, but it's typically a fairly low point relative to the bike's position to the ground. We're not reaching for the upper grab handle, for example, because you run out of uh, lift very, very quickly in many cases. Or you might have to start there and then shuffle or shift and get your hand to a lower position. But we're back to the bike. We find our purchase with our hands and then head and eyes up, so we want our chin up so we're not bowing our back and pre-stressing our spine, especially our lower spine, before we even begin to lift. We want to have as much slack uh, in our spine as we can. And then we that initial lift is tough. I mean, if it's a, even if it's a 250, a lot of, a lot of times that initial lift on a, what we call a flat bike, a non-opposed cylinder bike, uh, is very, very difficult, and you have to gut your way through that. Uh, for many people, it's as much as they've ever lifted or, or more than many have lifted in their lives because you just got to push through that and get that bike up. Being mindful of back injury, you have to, there's a balance there. You just got to find that balance and it's, it's personal. It's different for everyone. Once the motorcycle begins to come up a little bit, then we just start walking back with small steps. When our butt is against the seat, some people make the mistake of trying to hook their butt under the seat right at the beginning. They, they sit almost on the ground and try to stand up, which is, for some of us, difficult without a motorcycle. 
So you'd want your butt to the upper part of the seat, as far from the ground as it can be, and you simply have some some push against that upper part of the seat that becomes, uh, you know, with triangulation, as you're backing up, it, it becomes an actual assist. Then you scooch your butt down underneath a little bit and kind of get another another lift and, and lift the bike on up. And with this, uh, you were talking about um, assess it and figure and, and think about how you're going to pick this bike up at, at the start. And part of that is, is understanding that when you pick it up, you want to make sure you don't get too excited and push it back over the other side, right? Uh-huh, and then uh-huh. end up having to pick it up again. Okay, so now with having the bike picked up off the ground, what, what should we be checking on the bike after it's been laying down like that? Well, I mean... You're going to notice probably fairly quickly if you've broken a lever or whatever, but that's really not a factor to picking the bike up. And as I said, that scenario was on the left side. So there's not a whole lot more you can do, but you can be aware that it might try to roll forward or backwards. You know, we, we our presentation there was flat ground, but even so, if we get a little bit of an angle, it can roll a little bit. Uh, it's difficult to get to a shifter to get the motorcycle in first gear uh, or any gear when it's laying on its left side. So you may just get what you got. Uh, If you can reach from underneath the motorcycle and pull it down into gear, that's good. That's part of the preparation process. Um, You know, it's, we talked about gas and that sort of thing. So it's uh, side stand, of course, if you're on the right side, you would want to put the side stand down to prevent that tip over to the other side. People are more, most people are more familiar with handling the bike from the left side than the right side. So conveniently, it's easier to continue to manage the bike once it's upright. And of course, the kickstand is right there in front of you or right there behind you if you're still back to the bike as you get it in the upright position. So you can use a reach back with a heel and just push the side stand down or you can spin around and uh, put the side stand down with your toes. So it's fairly simple, but I really like the way you say you're, you're telling people straight up this is difficult. You know, that, that first part of the lift, that is hard to do. And obviously these things, this lift in particular, the flat ground pickup is probably something you encourage people to, to practice before they head out. It's yeah. In fact, uh, a lot of our students, you know, there, there are a lot of educational principles that come into play that we didn't even design into it. It's just by virtue of the fact that we've put them in situations they may not have been in before. One of those Uh, educational principles is that I don't need to ride alone. If they find that this motorcycle is just too heavy to pick up by themselves, but sometimes they either need to make sure they ride with a partner, they don't go out of uh, uh, range of their cell phone, or that they have some mechanism to help pick the bike up. But I had a woman in class, in fact, this past two days, I had a private class. It was a uh, husband and wife and then their son, uh, 18-year-old son. And the husband and wife were each riding uh, Harley-Davidson Pan Americas, and the son was riding a Honda a CRF 300. The wife was not tall at all. She had the adaptive ride height on her Pan America, and that helped her considerably. But even with it on the low position, that bike was tall for her, really tall. She had to slip a hip way off the side of the saddle. And by golly, she picked that sucker up more than once by herself. And she wasn't particularly buff. I mean, she was a sturdy woman, but uh, very impressive. And that's a flat bike. A Pan America is not considered an easy bike to pick up. So I think a lot of people will surprise themselves when they use proper technique at what they can do if they've got that fight in them. What's the percentage or, or the, the balance between 
physical strength and technique? Yeah, that's a good question because it requires a, a fair bit of both. Um, you, you just simply have to have some strength. But there's Rosie, and I don't remember her last name. You might know who she is. She travels uh, a lot in South America. and Gabrielle. maybe Yeah, that's her. So when she started out with, I believe it was a KLR, um, she didn't ride very well. She would comment that people are always picking on her for her riding technique and all. Meanwhile, she's making these amazing videos and having a great time out there. But she dropped her bike and she flat could not pick it up. And she just got herself to where she could. I don't think that she was weak, but I don't think that she was a powerhouse either. I think she was a very average, slight-built young, young lady. But because she developed her technique, she learned to pick that motorcycle up by using that technique and, and eventually overcame what the lack of skill and the lack of stature would have told many people they just can't do. Mm. Well, this next one is, is one that I consider, um, it, I, I call it the upside down pickup. This is what I consider sort of a real life situation because many times, at least for me anyway, <laughs> when the bike goes down and I have to pick it up, it manages to fall with the upside of the bike on the downside of the hill or embankment or something. And this is when things get a little bit more tricky because now you can't just do that, that straight pickup. Or if you do, it's, it's a lot more work. It's going to create some uh, or require some extra moves. So Bill, can you walk us through the most efficient way to pick up your motorcycle in this scenario? Uh, and I do realize there's a lot of variables here. There are, so I don't presume to, to know or be able to present the, quote, most efficient way, just taking it most literally. But uh, one of the things to look at is how can gravity help us? But let's back up just a little bit here. So we're on a side hill, and it might be a relatively steep side hill, and we rolled up, and through a loss of balance, a lack of technique, or just pure dumb luck, we decided to put our low side foot down. One of the first things that we need to do when we realize we're about to lose it is to get away from that motorcycle. Now, that's true for flat ground or for uh, for tipping over on a, on a side slope to the downside like you had suggested there, or to the upside for that matter, but uh, most critical on the downside. So we have to get ourselves away from the motorcycle. And the classic scenario is that someone puts that foot down within the sweep of the motorcycle. So they put their leg in the bear trap, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And now here comes the motorcycle. Now, because they have so much pressure on that leg trying to hold the motorcycle up, they can't slip it out to the side. So early on, when we see that a dab isn't probably going to hold us, a dab being a placement of the foot to prevent uh, losing our balance. So when we see that the dab is not going to uh, stop the tip over, or we even think it might not, let the bike take the hit. Don't let it hit you. So step wide away from that motorcycle so you're safe and you're out there unharmed so you can do something else to try to get the bike uprighted. So we've done that. The bike is now low side, uh, you know, it's down to the low side and, excuse me, to the high side in this case. I know that that's confusing. <laughs> anyway, the bike is upside down-ish and we've got to pick it up. So if... If you can, it's good to find out which end of that motorcycle is more likely to go downhill. It may be because of a foot peg being dug in, a handlebar being dug in, the surface or whatever, that it will only spin one direction, or it's much easier to spin one direction than the other. So think it through in part of your assessment there, which way should I try and spin this bike? Also, which way is it going to end up pointed 
once I do pick it up, have I got myself into a worse situation? Really happens a lot in sand. You can be on a sand hill and tip the bike over and you spin the bike. Well, that's all well and good. Now you can pick it up and you can't go anywhere because now you're still uh, heading into maybe a, a deeper sand area or slightly up a hill or into the brush or trees. So take time to assess, determine your path of travel once you leave, and then start trying to spin that motorcycle. And this is where getting a hold of, of something at the, the greatest point of leverage, whether that be a handlebar turned away from the motorcycle so it's farther from the center of the bike, a front wheel. Uh, sometimes you can take a bungee and wrap it uh, around the front brake lever so that when you grab the front wheel, it's not rolling on you. Uh, a lot of us have grabbed the front wheel and rolled it or grabbed a brake disc and rolled it and wound up injuring ourselves because that, you know, we made it through the fall and now we've cut our hands up. Mm -hmm. So you can, you can jam that and pull on the front wheel and maybe get more purchased than with a rolling wheel. But a uh, luggage rack is a real good one. Pannier frames are good ones. And drag that bike around so that gravity now is on your side and maybe you can pick it up. So the whole idea is, is to get the bike in the right position, right? I mean, and that's what oh, we're yeah. doing. We're, yeah, we're, just we're position it, it so that it's, it's easier to pick up. Is this easier now that we've got it in this position? Is this easier than the flat pickup? Now the bike is, it's still on a slope, but um, it's kind of partly picked up for us now that we've turned it around, isn't it? Yeah, uh, clearly it's, it's easier to pick up. Uh, there are maybe additional hazards. Uh, as you said, you don't want it to flip over to the other side. So let's say it's laying uh, oh, upside down on its right side. You spin the bike. Uh, now it's laying more appropriately oriented to pick up uh, still on its right side. Well, putting this, the side stand down is going to do nothing except make it so you can't start the motorcycle when you pick it up if you still have a side stand safety switch. So it's not going to really help you. But a lot of times you can just put a foot over the motorcycle and put it on the, the foot peg and put the other foot against the side of the hill and lift the motorcycle right there, uh, either with or without luggage. Maybe you had to pull the tank bag, pull the top bag. You know, it depends on how you're loaded. If you're on an adventure ride, you might want to unload some. But yeah, you can probably pick the bike up and now you're on a loose or excuse me, on a hill fail recovery scenario where you can just begin to wiggle the front wheel back and forth a little bit. Uh, we call it scissoring the front wheel and that front end drops lower and lower until you like your trajectory to leave. And then you can start the motorcycle and leave. I mean, double check that it's in first gear, push off from the side of the hill with the uh, left foot in this case on the foot peg is similar to pushing off on a skateboard and just drive yourself away from the hill. That's if you're going downhill. If you were, if you went off the side of a trail or something, you got to get back up. That's a different scenario. Yeah, you just get yourself into a worse situation. But uh, sometimes worse is better. Sometimes finishing the, the job you started when you left the road, uh, there may be a meadow or something down there that you can get yourself to reset and then get a nice angle instead of just fighting blood, sweat, and tears to, to get yourself back up on the trail, which is only three feet above you. But if you're by yourself, it, it, it may be loose traction. It just may not happen. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the the next one is a mud or low traction pickup. So so this is a, a scenario which I guess some riders might experience a lot, others not so much, depending on, on where you're riding, where you normally ride, and what your terrain is like, where where you live or where you're riding all the time. But the low traction pickup is basically you, you drop the bike in a slippery environment, slippery terrain, usually mud uh, or any slippery surface. 
So here we are, the bike laying down in the mud. Again, so many variables here if we we're talking ruts or other things, but, but the bike is laying in the mud on a relatively flat surface. What do we do? Yeah, and uh, one, of the, one of the worst bike pickup situations I've been in was on a perfectly flat, moss-covered water crossing with about six inches of water in it. And it's, it's funny, Bill, because I, I was going to ask you about the water crossings as well. It's not a common spot for people to, to be picking up bikes. Not as much, I don't think, as the others, but that's a really good point. I can imagine your stress. Stick around and watch. <laughs> you can almost, every bike that goes across sometimes in some of the places that we've ridden in Arkansas in particular, just, they just go down. Oh, the James, wow. James River is notorious in uh, southern Texas down uh, yeah, near the uh, hill country area. is just atrocious. It's because so it has slime in it? Is that what it is? Oh slime my on the gosh. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's moss, and uh, it's from. It's usually in shadier areas, and that that moss just grows there. And uh, at, where the vehicles have run across it, being a low water crossing in the tire track areas, it's usually fairly. Especially if there's a lot, if there's a lot of activity, then the vehicle track area is usually pretty good. They keep it worn off, but you get to the center of it or off to the edges, and that gets really slippery. So, but anyway, we digress. Back to the mud. <laughs> we went off the moss-covered uh, low water crossing. We're in the mud on the other side. So, uh, yeah, if it is fairly flat, then we have to determine, is the back-to-the-bike method going to work? You know, that, that's a real good method for most, as I said, average height to shorter riders. Tall riders bending over that far, bending their legs that far, it usually doesn't work. So it might be time to assess the, uh, the, the ground, as we would always do, really. Uh, right beneath, right where we have to stand to pick up the motorcycle. And if we're standing back to the bike or squatted back to the bike, trying to lift and push with our feet in that mud, it's just going to be an exercise in photography more than anything or videography because it's going to be fun. But uh, if we turn the bar away from the direction that it's the side that it's fallen, if it's fallen on its left side, we turn the handlebar to the right. The hand grip is at the most distant point possible from the motorcycle and that bar is the longest lever that we have that is attached to the motorcycle naturally then we would cut the the uh, handlebar if it's if we're on the left side of the bike we would we would uh, grab the grip of the clutch side grip with our right fist like we're grabbing a baseball bat or a hammer just simply wrap our fist around it and then our left hand would cup underneath uh the end of the handlebar. The reason that we don't grab both parts of that grip with our hands as though we were holding a baseball bat with both hands is because once we do get it lifted part way, our left wrist would lock out. It doesn't go far enough to continue lifting and we're in a high stress environment there. We can't continue to lift and we can't get another grip. So start out by baseball grip with the right hand, cup underneath with the left hand, chin and eyes up, and then our, our vector of force is vertical then. So our feet are, are straight down below us. We're lifting straight up from that point, and we're less likely to slip. Uh, still can, especially if we start pushing a whole lot. But we can, we're more lifting the bike straight up, and then we kind of reverse our hands up underneath and lift it up as though almost like we were shooting a basket from a very low position, continue to push the, the bike upright. So we're, we're facing the bike while we're doing this. We're walking out and facing the bike and picking up that, that farthest part of the bar, the, the, the farthest reach on the bike. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. Are there any tricks that you have for finding traction for your feet and for the bike? Because I know there's those situations, they're, they're, they're the, the worst ones where the bikes is sliding away, your feet are sliding out in the opposite direction. You could build a mat depending on what your conditions are. Uh, you know, we, we hadn't got into engineering yet, but we'll touch on it right now. So sometimes we don't have the resources at hand on the motorcycle, or it might be that we do in the case of, uh, you know, all of my students, but most of my students after they've been through our classes carry a toe strap and a toe strap is a great resource to help you pick up the bike also a pair of uh, soft ties like we use to tie the handlebars or the, the front fork down on a trailer just throwing a, a couple of those in the pannier or someplace that's accessible in the case of the bike's laying down can help to get a different kind of purchase on the motorcycle so uh, the, the strap might help for lifting, the soft ties might help for lifting, but to build a mat, I mean, we probably don't want to use our jacket, but if you had to, you would, you would do that. If the bike's laying there and you can't get it up any other way. But I would first look into the, the woods and the surrounding area and see what resources I had there. It may just be brush. You could, whatever you might be able to, to harvest from that area, if you can pack that beneath you, that can help tremendously with traction. Would you say engineering? Talk more about engineering. Yeah. So we've got our bike picked up from the mud. Are we done with that one? Yeah. All right. (laughs) So now we've dropped this bike and we've unloaded it and we still can't get the motorcycle picked up. Again, look at what resources we have at hand. If you've seen Apollo 13, they unload all these boxes of stuff from duct tape to marbles to whatever. I don't know what they've got in there. But here is what we have can we somehow use these resources to help us with our situation? Uh, if the answer to that is no, then we've got to look outside of that. So we begin to, to look out in the wilderness and see if there's anything out there. Now, one of my students uh, informed me of something that he had done that I thought was brilliant. And that was he found a fence post that was laying on the ground. I never advocate damaging anyone's property, cutting a fence, anything like that. But there are a lot of down fences. And sometimes, especially here in Oklahoma, you got fence lines everywhere. So he found an old fence post. And he was able to take that post and hook it uh, into a strap on his low side pannier extending outward. And the post was about six or seven feet long, I think. This could be done with a, a chunk of a tree or whatever else you might find. And then he hung his high side pannier from that. And he, of course, that creates a tremendous lever, almost like a trebuchet. And he was able to to lift that motorcycle actually quite easily, where previously he could not lift it at all. So that was brilliant. So he's counterweight. He made a counterweight for the motorcycle. Yeah, Yeah, just made a big old counterweight, a big (laughs) lever. Mm -hmm. It is. And that's how we need to act as adventure riders. We need to think outside the box and to be innovative. Uh, with what we do and tenacious. So that tenacity, that innovation worked for him in that that scenario. Another might be that we can only lift the bike two or three inches and then boom, it's right back down. Two or three inches and it's back down. So we might find something in the the surrounding area. It might be a stick, part of a a chunk of a log, a limb, a rock, uh, whatever. We can lift the bike that couple of inches and roll that under some portion of the motorcycle to hold it. So maybe take a knee and just kind of scoot it up underneath there. And now we reset and we lift it another couple of inches and we scoot it deeper or we have a larger one that we roll in. At some point, and I don't advocate damaging our personal equipment, but you do what you got to do. We may be able to slide our helmet 
underneath there. That's a pretty good little bit of lift until we get to the motorcycle into a position where we can get a back to the bike or a bar end or a chest lift and continue to, to finish that recovery. You'd mentioned uh, jacks and things like that. Talk about jacks. Well, frankly, I've never used one, but I've seen them. And they're, uh, you know, as I've gotten older, I think there might be a better and better idea. Uh, but there are a few companies out there. It seems that I had seen more European companies than I have uh, here in the U.S., but I think they're, they're getting more popular here that just make a strut-type jack that can go underneath some portion of the motorcycle, and you simply jack this bike up. And in some cases, it uses a, a hook and a strap uh, attached to a, a form of jack. So you can hook that strap in various positions and then begin to just jack the bike up to get it up either high enough you can finish the lift or get it all the way up to a, a nearly full upright position. I wish I knew some name brands for those. I don't, but I think that they're probably easy enough to find if someone were to search the internet for them. Any other tips and tricks for this? I had a situation not with a motorcycle, but I filed this in my memory banks. Uh, this was actually with a pickup truck that was stuck on a ride. It was a chase vehicle for a tour that we were doing in South Dakota. And we, I, I, I had a little saw, I carry a, a tree saw, it's a tech sport uh, shape shifter saw, has two blades that are around 12, 14 inches long, uh, so in case you break one. But anyway, you assemble this saw, it's a great saw, I can cut a pretty good size stick with this. And I cut a, a limb that was about, oh, I'm gonna say about 10 or 12 feet long, and I hooked one end of that around a tree that was behind the, the vehicle, and then we had some straps, tie-down straps and things. About a quarter or a third of the way from the tree out towards the end of that, uh, that limb, I attached those straps and attached them to the trailer hitch on the, on the truck. And we had seven men with us. So I put a number of them on the, the limb, pushing so that it could help leverage that truck backwards. And then at the, while they were doing that, others were, were pushing on the vehicle. Well, a similar situation or setup could be used for a motorcycle if you had to use leverage. Uh, winches have been made by using a log laying on the ground and strapping um, a, a, a shorter stick to that log in such a way that by roll, rolling that stick from the ground on one side to the ground on the other side, you're turning that log. And that log becomes a winch. So you either set that log between two trees or you set it uh, on a stake if you have a way of getting it in the ground or a rock and against something else. Uh, so you can get quite creative with designing, building winch-like mechanisms, either through the lever or through that rotating log on the ground. I realize, like, like you suggested with, uh, with something you said, it was, it was kind of extreme, but it worked. Well, you know, you go with what works. Very good. Well, Bill, once again, thank you very much. Always fun to sit down and talk with you. Well, likewise, I appreciate the call, Jim, and uh, look forward to hearing this one, and, and I hope it helps someone out there. That was Bill Dragoo from Dart, Dragoo Adventure Motorcycle Training. Bill's website is billdragoo.com, and that link will be in the show notes for this episode on our website, adventureriderradio.com. 
I left the story of my bike sitting off the side of the rail trail, jammed into the bush. Um, I didn't have my Best Dress MRS, the motorcycle recovery system. I didn't have my Warren XT17. I didn't use a jack because, well, I don't really have one of those. I didn't hook a rope to my rear wheel because two reasons. One, it was laying down and I couldn't stand it up because it was jammed in the bush. The other one was I didn't actually have my rope with me and I didn't have a friend that came by. As a matter of fact, no one came by. So here's what I did. And you can use this method too. If you use this method, it'll save you money on buying anything that we talked about. It'll save you the weight of carrying those things. You won't have to worry about them, those recovery systems. Here's what I did. The bike was laid over on the side like I described. I looked at it and, and basically started sweating just thinking about this, but I bent over, I grabbed the bike, give it a good hard yank, and ended up on my face on the bike because the bike didn't move. It was that stuck. I got up, I did it again, I pulled, I yanked, I lifted, I swore a lot. I sweated, I strained and yanked on the bike, I pulled branches away and dug, I yanked some more, and a while later, totally exhausted, dripping with sweat, I had the bike back on the trail. Now all I had to do was lift it up, but when I bent over to lift it up in the way that I normally do, I realized I was spent. I had no energy left. I couldn't lift it up. So I turned around just like Bill Dragoo told us and slowly pushed the bike up with me backwards to the bike, got it on the kickstand and spent the next 15 minutes or so pulling grass and twigs from all the places it was jammed into, straightening my shifter lever because well, I dragged the bike on the shifter lever and finally got back on my bike and rode away feeling absolutely exhausted. But now that I think about it, it wasn't nearly as bad as the time that I flopped over in the mud and got pinned under my own motorcycle, again, alone in the woods. Yeah, but that's another story for another time. Hey, I just want to remind you that this episode has been brought to you by Green Chili Adventure Gear, greenchiliadv.com, Motobreeze Chain Oiler at motobreeze.com, and Best Rest Products at cyclepump.com. And we'd really appreciate it if anytime you're dealing with these companies, anytime, email or otherwise, let them know you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. That about wraps up another episode of Adventure Rider Radio, and we sure hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we did making it. Special thanks to our producer, Elizabeth Martin, and you, of course, for being a listener. Hey, if you're not doing it already, this show is built on a model of advertising and listener support. We need your support. Anything $10 or more gets you a sticker sent at you, uh, an Adventure Rider Radio sticker for your pen or your toolbox. Anything $50 or more gets you a shout out on our Raw show, and we would really, really appreciate it if you would consider becoming one of our patron supporters. That way we can uh, we can count on you each month. Anyway, all at the website, Adventure Rider Radio, Com, click on support. We also do another show called Adventure Rider Radio Raw that comes out every month, all again at the website. And remember that every episode we do has show notes for it. So any of the things we talk about, we put in links, we put in photographs, all of that stuff. Drop by, have a look around. Anyway, time to get out there and ride your bike if you can. My name is Jim Martin. Thank you very much for listening once again, and I will talk to you next week. I'm Helge Pedersen with Globe Riders, and you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. <laughs>